You're listening to Lead to Soar, bringing women the best career advice and mentorship from around the world. Lead to Soar is a production of a career that soars. Learn more at leadtosoar.com. The Lead to Soar podcast is recorded on the ancestral home of the Ho-Chunk Nation in Madison, Wisconsin, USA, and on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation in Melbourne, Australia. We pay our respects to the traditional custodians of these lands and their elders past and present and welcome any First Nations people listening today, wherever you are. Hello listeners and welcome back to Lead to Soar. I'm so pleased today to bring you a a woman who I just think is amazing, uh, really clever and someone who, well, like me, likes building communities and and getting uh, women surrounding each other and helping each other. Um, So, and what we're going to talk about today is so you want to be on a board. And the marvellous Helga, uh, who we're, who I'm going to talk to, and I were just talking before we hit record about how many times we are asked, hey, Michelle, hey, Helia, I want to be on a board. What should I do? So the reason I've got Helia with us today, the marvellous marvelous Helia Svensson, is because she's an expert in governance and boards, and she is a great connector, as I've already said. She, in her own words, loves bringing good people together for collective wisdom. And she particularly loves bringing good women together uh, for collective wisdom. And in the spirit of that, uh, an amazing woman in my network, Zora Artis, was the one who brought Helia and I to each other's attention uh, some some time ago. And I've benefited a lot from joining Helia's Take On Board community. And I encourage you to do the same. And of course, we'll have all the links in the show notes. In terms of background, Helly is a facilitator, coach and mentor specialising in strategy and planning, governance and stakeholder engagement. She hosts the Take On Board podcast, a weekly pod where she talks all things governance, as well as the Take On Board community, which I've just mentioned. The Take On Board community is a thriving community of women, of which I count myself one, and we connect through an active Facebook group events, which are I love. They are virtual events and I they're in my diary every time. And she also has two flags programs, the Take On Board Kickstarter to get women into the boardroom and the Take On Board Accelerator to support women once they're in the boardroom. In terms of her background, Helia's chair of the Victorian Asbestos Eradication Agency and a board member of the Royal Women's Hospital and Accident Compensation Conciliation Service. Her previous board roles include co-chair of the Centre for Sustainability Leadership and board member of the YWCA Victoria and Social Housing Victoria. Helia is a lawyer by trade and held CEO and C-suite positions in the corporate sector prior to establishing her board portfolio and business. Welcome to the pod, Helia. Oh, Michelle, it is so exciting to be here. Um, As you've already said, you are a woman after my own heart in terms of building community and building community of strong women. So I am very honoured to be here today on your podcast and to return, I guess, the favour after you've been on my podcast. So it's fabulous. Well, that was pretty nifty because, and and this is one of the other things I say a lot of to both the Lead to Soar audience and our career that Soar's members is networking is working and it isn't a chore. And when you have that mindset shift. So I love the networking that we do together and and in our broader communities. And I love the fact that you epitomise what we talk about, which is generosity and reciprocity uh, in networking. So yeah, see you and raise you, my friend. Before we get into that, how do I get on a board? Thinking back, 
to when you first thought, oh, boards and what have you. And then now with such a uh, an illustrious board career underway and a track record of accomplishment, what do you enjoy most about governance and serving on boards? And and I'm, I'm separating them quite deliberately because I know you've got pretty strong views on both. Yeah, it's a great question because I, I I mean, I am a governance nerd at heart. So that would lead me to the boardroom in some ways, but it's more than that, that I get out of board roles. And sometimes, you know, if I think back to my first board, I think it was probably actually school council as the student rep. In fact, I, if I remember rightly, I might've even been on my primary school, school council. I've clearly been a joiner since a young age. I can't recall, but I was, I was definitely on the school council in my secondary school uh, as the student rep and, you know, have just continued different board roles was involved in the student union when I was at university and so on and now have you know a bit of a board portfolio along with some other things that I do what do I enjoy about that oh so many things I think first and foremost it's an opportunity for me to add value to an organization using the strength that I have and my strengths currently, because that changes over your career as well, but my current strengths that I would say that I lend to the boardroom, governance. So I know about governance and not everyone in the boardroom knows about governance and that's okay as long as you've got at least a couple of people that know something about governance. Strategy and planning, which is a key thing, key role for boards is setting the strategic direction of an organisation and that kind of all-encompassing stakeholder engagement. So they are the three things that I lend to the boardroom. I'm also, as you said, I'm a lawyer by trade and that doesn't hurt although it's not at all a requirement to be in the boardroom. So I love that it's a way of doing that. But it also allows me, that's what I give to the board. For me, what do I get from it? Oh my gosh, so much. So what I love is that I get to dip into different organisations. So as you mentioned, I'm on the board of the Royal Women's Hospital. I am not a clinician. I am not from the healthcare sector. The strength that I add to that board is around stakeholder engagement, governance, strategy and planning. And I get to learn about the healthcare sector and to uh, to use my skills in that way. So I learn about that. Previously, I've been on the board of the YWCA or social housing. And each time on my other boards, the Asbestos Eradication Commission, whatever it may be, I get to play in different spaces and I love that diversity and that I just get Mm. to dip in and dip out. I don't have to be full-time in it. I can dip in and dip out and I love that. I love that I get to work in organisations that align to my values and I think any board that people want to be involved with, you need to to be in love with the organisation a little bit. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of responsibility, often for very little or not enough recompense, even when you're playing in the space of paid board roles. So I get to not only play in a number of different uh, arenas, I guess, but they can be values aligned. So I get to play in that space. And last but not least, and this has probably been for the last 10 years or so as I've been running my own business, I'm now self-employed. I'm a sole trader. And being on a board actually gives me a team around me. It gives me my gang of people to hang out with. It gives me someone to have the end of year dinner with or the end of financial year dinner with and those things, which you don't always get when you work solo. So that's also been something that I've really appreciated from my board roles. And I just get to think strategically. It's great. Like you get to, you know, as they say, helicopter up, think strategically about different organisations. It's awesome and everyone should do it. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I totally agree. And I was sort of nodding my head madly at a couple of things there. And and you've just made me have have a memory about, because people say, and you have asked me, when did my governance career start? And I think, oh, well, when I was on my kids' sporting committees. And I think, well, hang on a minute. I was actually vice captain of my primary school. 
and yeah. put my head and I went oh okay so if I go right back yeah okay so and, and I love the fact that you've separated into the give and the get and you can give those skills to those organizations and I, I, I know that there are sometimes there's a belief or a mindset that oh I've got to be an expert in the sector to become part of their board and well you and I both know because we are so committed to board diversity in all of its senses that that's absolutely well that that's a it's an out-of-date point of view so I, I love the fact that you've talked about the fact that you can work in different and serve on boards with different industries where you don't have the cool background but you're able to bring those other things that you're so clear about your strengths governance strategy and planning and stakeholder management um, and I agree governance is well governance is something that I think the word gets bandied around I don't know if there's enough understanding about governance and what good governance looks like and we might we might go into that the second piece of advice which I like in all of that is the values alignment piece we do have to be a bit in love with who we're working for I agree and, and unless you know you're in one of those lofty board roles on a, perhaps an ASX 20 or an ASX 50 or equivalent across the globe you know they, they're not huge pay packets contrary to pop popular belief for many of us we also provide a lot of pro bono i.e we serve as volunteers on board so you do have to be really values aligned and also really yeah i agree a bit in love um, with that board so there's the first bit of advice for for those of you listening about oh i wonder if i might get on a board wonder what i need to think about be a bit in love with who you're totally. the organization you're going to serve yes and be clear about what you're going to bring to it I, like you, have lots of conversations and lots of them are with women who are at all different career stages. I wonder, and we, we talked a little bit a, a, about it, many of the women are saying, oh, look, one day I'm going to be on a board and, you know, I, I'm going to aim for that and I'm going to, and I think you said off air, I'm going to have my corporate career, then I'll retire, then I'll get on a board. Now, that's kind of, we, we want to get really nitty-gritty about how we need to not think that way. Now, not about not getting on a board, but the timing. So let's go for number one. I want to get on a board after, and I'm using the air quotes, dear listeners, after my executive career. How should I get ready to do that? Would your response be, how we are? Get on it now. Like I said, my first board was probably at school. But if you leave that aside, my first board as a board director, the next one was probably when I was in my 20s, As but it was part of my job. It wasn't me independently applying for a role, but I was on a board as part of my role. The first board that I actually applied for, oh, I think I should get on a board and started looking around, was the YWCA in Victoria. And I joined that board, I think I was probably in my late 30s when I joined that board. But that board, for example, has, it's actually past tense now because YWCA Victoria has joined a national organisation. So I think these rules still apply, but at the national level. But at the time, that organisation and loads of other organisations like it have positions set aside for young women or young people. So that board, we had four directors who had to be aged 30 and under. And those awesome young women were not the young people on the board. They were the young people on the board, but they weren't, oh, what do young people think? Let's tell us about that. They were equal members of the board and learned about it. So they started getting their governance career on in their 20s. And there's a range of organisations that have allocated roles for them. It also means you get to build 
you know, governance wisdom doesn't come just from five minutes walking in the door. You need to build it. You need to go through the challenges, the highs and the lows of being on a board. And there are some lows. I was having a conversation just this morning with one of my clients whose organisation is about to go into administration. There are some lows in it as well. I've wound up organisations, sold off major assets, you know, had members grumpy. It's part of being a board member. So you want to start that early. You can't just walk into it when you retire. The other thing I'd say about being on a board is that it helps your executive career. So most people who are executives or working with organisations that have boards, there is nothing like being a board member to help you understand what the board of your own organisation is looking for. Because you know what it's like to be on the other side of the table. You then know what it's like to be reading board reports that you know, in an organisation that you don't work day to day. So, you know, board members float in and out and they don't have all of the context. They don't have the day-to-day memory because they're coming to board meetings. So if you're on the board of another organisation, that is going to make you much stronger as an executive person or a staff member in an organisation that has a board. Like I know my first CEO role was, I was probably still on the board of the YWCA and I remember being interviewed for that and being able to say to the selection committee, the board members, I know what it's like to be on your side of the table. I know what it's like to get reports that are helpful and reports that are not helpful and to have (laughs) engagements that's helpful and not helpful. And I think, I'll have to check with them, but I suspect part of the reason I got that job was because I had board experience and I knew what it was like to be on their side of the table. So that's a long way of saying it's not after your career, it is part of your career. It is building those networks, it is building your governance experience, it's building your executive experience. There are roles set aside for younger people. And if you miss out on that, then you've missed out. So get on it now. Completely concur. And like you, I think my, I mean, my first kind of official board slash committee was around sport. And it was in my late 30s because my kids had started becoming involved in organised sport and and so on and so forth. And I became actually the company secretary because we were an incorporated association for for my child's netball club. And boy, oh boy, there were a couple of things that occurred to me, and I know you and I have talked about this before. Number one, I thought, oh, this board or committee or governance malarkey is, this is quite interesting. And then I also thought, oh, gee, I'm actually a really good administrator. This is my way to contribute. This is my way to give back to sport. And then I thought, of course, then I set my sights a lot higher. But at the, by the same token, it also really sharpened my focus as, as a manager, as, a, as an executive, because you're right, you could think, well, actually, what would the board be thinking right now? What are the outcomes that I'm leading for and what are they going to be looking for as the governors of this organisation that management are doing? And yes, and having read or my fair share of board reports that kind of go, wow, I've just read nine pages of, I don't know what they were telling me, versus something that's clearly been done by someone who has sat in board meetings, who knows how to do board reports to really get the points across. Yeah, it does sharpen you. And I think it's great continuing professional development. So first call to action, listeners, if you're thinking about getting on a board, don't wait, do it now. And really look out, as Helia said, look out for those organisations. If you're in your 20s and 30s, look out for those organisations who have mandates around that that age diversity on board. But it is never too late. So whatever your age is, start getting ready now. You can get involved in governance. So how does she get ready now? So we've just had the epiphany. I've gone, oh, my God, I've just listened to Helia and I'm ready. 
What does she do? Right. Oh, well, that'd be lovely. I'm hoping there are some epiphanies out there. I think the first thing to do is to think about what are the skills that you lend to the boardroom? Much like earlier in my introduction, what are the skills that I lend to the boardroom? Governance, strategy and planning, stakeholder engagement. So thinking about what boards do and knowing that boards are in the governance space, they have the oversight of the organisation, ensuring compliance, all of those things. What is your give to the boardroom? What is your value add to the boardroom? And yeah, thinking about it through that lens. You know, I had a conversation with somebody earlier this week, could have been last week, about her skills for the boardroom. And I think she'd said strategic thinking, critical thinking, people and culture, and project management. And I went, yeah, can you take project management off the list? Mm-hmm. Like that's not necessarily a governance skill, it's an operational skill. So think about it through the lens of what boards need and what you can give. I would then think about what sort of board or what sort of organisation do you want to make a governance contribution to? Because there's what's your value add and now what's the organisation I'm a little bit in love with? What's the industry or what's the organisation? And some things to think about there might be, you know, what's the sector? So for me, when I joined the board of the Royal Women's Hospital, It was partly an organisation that was in healthcare, which I wasn't in, so that was the attraction for me, and it was the women's hospital, which was definitely an attraction for me. So think about where it is that you would like to make that contribution. So, I don't know, if it's in the not-for-profit space, is it animals or is it disability or is it health and wellbeing, you know? So not just not-for-profit, what part of not-for-profit? You might also want to think about... What stage of development is the organisation at? Like some people are really attracted to startup organisations. Some people are attracted to organisations that are in growth. Some are attracted to organisations that are in, you know, that real mature area. Some people are even attracted to organisations that are in wind-up and that's okay. You know, so thinking about the stage of organisation as well for that board. So, yeah, just what sort of organisation do I want to add the value that I've now identified? And then just get on it. Like I know that I know networking is uh, one of and building connections is one of the things you often talk about. And let's say you have decided you want to be on the board of a superannuation company for argument's sake. Have a look at who you know who are on the boards of superannuation companies and ask them for a coffee. Looking at, you know, my skills are X, Y, and Z. I'm looking for a board role. Can you share some wisdom with me about that or and or when, if or when a role comes up that is looking for the skills that I have, I would really appreciate it if you let me know. Through that, you will learn a lot about the process. You will be on people's radar. You need to tell the world this is what you're looking for. Come along to events, meet people, build those networks. That is what we would call a courageous ask. And it's it's the it's a straightforward request for assistance from a position of entitlement and competence. And it is very clear to the askee what it is that you're looking for. And yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And you know, tell the world. People don't wake up every day going, gee, I wonder what Michelle Redfern's up today, up to today. I wonder what I might wonder what I could do to help Michelle. And that's not to say people are me. I, I am apart from probably my wife, maybe my kids, but not even them, you know, there's very few people who wake up and go, gee, I wonder what Michelle's doing. 
So you've got, to, you've got to get yourself in in their orbit and say, this is what Michelle's up to and this is what Michelle wants to do. Can you help me? Yes, I can. Here's what we're going to do. No, I can't, but here's who can. I'm going to link you to that person. So very straightforward ask for, for uh, the connection. So what's your give? Understand what your skills and strengths are that you can bring to a board. What are you going to fall in love with? What's the organisation or the industry that you could fall in love with to, to really be of service to and, yeah, be clear about what stage the organisation's at? That's actually a really good point, which I hadn't really considered, but I suppose for those of you in, particularly in your leadership or your management careers, you'd be going, well, if I'm going to join a company, is it growing or shrinking? Um, mm. Is it in trouble or is it in, you know, is it optimising? Is it transforming or is it steady as you go? So, yeah, I, it's a great advice for you. What stage is that organisation at? And, you know, some of us are a little bit addicted to the start-up and the scale-up kind of stage, which takes a whole bunch of different skills and mindsets. And some of us are less excited about maintenance and, you know, I might be being a bit autobiographical again, but anyway. But ultimately, tell the world what you want. Uh, and I think that's where your skills as a, as a great stakeholder manager is, is coming to the fore because you're saying, well, okay, this is stakeholder management 101. There's a set of stakeholders out there that, that can help me propel or reach my full potential in terms of my board career. I've got to manage them. And generally people are, are fine with the ask. Every now and again, people will say no, and that's okay. Like if I'm asking someone of something, I'll always give them an out. It's like if you're too busy at the moment or not able to or whatever, that's totally fine. But mostly people will help out if they can. And I think the more specific you are about the ask, you know, I'm looking for a board in superannuation, you know, you might then want to say one of the private sector ones or one of the industry funds or a national fund or a local fund or whatever it may be, the more specific you can be, a, a fund that's going through a merger, because they all are, or not, whatever it may be, a startup organisation, the more specific you are, the easier it is for that person to then keep it in mind. You know, when they then hear about the startup organised, startup sports organisation, you know, that needs something, I'll go, oh, Michelle, I should contact yeah, her. So exactly. The more specific you are, exactly. the more likely you are to be front of mind. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, make it easy for people to say yes. It's the second time I've said that in two days. So make it easy for people to say yes to you or find someone to say yes to you. You're listening to Lead to Soar, a production of A Career That Soars. A Career That Soars, or ACTS, is an organization, a networking platform, and a place for career women to learn and connect. Our founder, Susan Colantuno, envisioned a group that would embrace women from all backgrounds and support one another towards achieving their highest career ambitions. Learn more about what you can get from ACTS by visiting leadtosoar.com and clicking the ACTS link. So we're at that we're at the stage now. So we've got very, very clear about what we want, what our skills and strengths are, what we what we give and then what we want to get. What what training do I have to do? Because <laughs> there's a lot of, you know, and, and like you, oh, should I do the AICD course or should I do this course? Should I do, what training do I have to do, Helia? And please feel free to plug your own here. Yeah. Oh okay. So everyone do I need to do the AICD course is, you know, if I had a 
a dollar for every time I've been asked that. There is no doubt the AICD course is a valuable course. For any of you not in Australia, we are talking about the Australian Institute of Company Directors. Uh, so essentially the Professional Association for Board Directors, there will be an equivalent in your geography. In fact, I think AICD is, there is an international organisation that links all of them together and AICD, the Australian one, is part of whatever that international organisation is. So yeah, there will definitely be chapters, whatever country you happen to be listening from. So whatever the professional director association is in your country, they will probably have some sort of flagship program. In Australia, it's called the Company Directors Course. And let's just be frank, they've marketed it very well. So having GAICD, that is graduate of the Australian Institute of Company Directors after your name, is sought after. And it is absolutely a valuable course, but it's not the only way you can learn. So personally, I think doing the Company Directors Course is more valuable once you're on a board rather than in anticipation of being on a board. Oh, you anticipated my question because that's my exact experience. I did mine, well, I reckon, thinking back, and you've helped me to think back about those roles I've had. I reckon I had 10 years under my belt before I did it. So valuable. Yeah, I likewise probably had seven years under my belt. Oh, well, depends on how you count the boards. Probably more if you think of the earlier ones. So having that sort of qualification, will it help you to get on a board? Yes, it will. You know, it will help you to get on a board. Will you get more value from it if you're already on a board? Yes, I think you will. So people just need to make their own judgment there, I think. But there's other there's other there's other organizations. So again, likewise in other countries, you know, in Australia there is the Institute of Community Directors Australia. So if you're particularly looking for any of the not-for-profit boards, that might be a better one and it's not quite as expensive. It's the Governance Institute of Australia. And again, I know there are uh, sister organisations around the world. And there's other ways you can build your governance wisdom. So I would say just get yourself on a board. That's what I would say is get on a board. That is a really great learning experience. I would say, you know, there's this podcast in Australia called Take On Board, uh, a weekly podcast where we talk all things governance. It's, if I say so myself, a great free resource to hear the stories of people in the boardroom and the things that you will be grappling with. Here, yeah, here. Yeah. And, and I've got to say as, a, as a, another big shout out, you know, it is part of, it is definitely, we know it's part of our director's continuing professional development and, and you can get points for it because we've already established that through your wonderful community. But it, I, I find, and, and we've shared this before, but I have block time where I'll sit and listen to four or five episodes at once because it gives me, I'm a block learner and a block doer, so I like doing things in block blocks of time. So it really gives me a good sense of current issues. Yes, the experiences of, of other women on boards, but it's very topical and very current as well as the in, in terms of current things. And I think the things that we've covered or you've covered this year around climate change, digital and cyber security and the stuff that we yeah, and I think as executives, we need to be paying attention, more attention to anyway. Very, very good resource. And like the Lead to Soar podcast, is free. So it's just such a great way to build your knowledge, even to the point where you can go, well, okay, that's something I'm really interested in now. I can start getting much more sippy with that ask of, hey, I thought I might be want to, want to be on a superannuation board. Actually, what I want to go now into, well, Australia might become hydroelectricity hub for, you know, the whole world, I reckon I'm going to go down that path. I'm going to start really building my skills there. So, yeah, good, yeah. good resource. What else? It's taking on boards and governance as a research project in a way. So listening to the podcast, going to events around boards and governance, you know, I'm the sort of person that learns from talking to people, unsurprisingly, when I'm, you know, a connector and a networker. 
talking to people who are on board. If you're not as, you know, if you're not got the really specific ask about I want to be on a, hydro, a startup hydroelectric company in Australia, just talk to people that you know are on boards and say, you know, what's what's your value? T- talk me through the experience. What are you, some of the questions you've asked me today would be the questions that you would ask somebody as a research project so you can find out more about it. And once you've done that, once you've spoken to people, listened to podcasts, read articles, you might join one of the member organisations and get their information, gone to events, all of that sort of stuff. Once you've started to build the picture and you're ready to go, then you'll also need some of the, you know, the tools. I guess you'll need a board resume. And you'll need to be able to showcase your skills through that governance lens to apply for roles. So, yeah, that you, you'll need those things as well. I, I think that toolbox piece is really important because that, that was certainly one of the aha moments that I had not that long ago, really, about uh, the difference between an, your management CV and your board CV. And I still have conversations about that, which is really not cool. But anyway, so that's just one thing. So what else? Do you want to give us a quick overview? Yes. So as somebody who sat on the number of nominations committees for boards or selection committees for boards, for the love of God, please do not use your executive resume for board applications. It stands out and it drives up those of us on the committee a little bit. To distraction. It showcases your executive skills beautifully, but you are not going for an executive role or an operational role. You are going for a governance role and you need to spend the time to reshape your resume to your governance skill. It doesn't matter whether you've got any board roles to showcase or not. You can still have a governance resume, even if you've never been on a board before. Do you want me to talk you through, you know, what just the headings for what should be in a board resume? Well, I think, you know, let's assume that we've got some very resourceful people listening. So, yeah, I, I would let's just go through the headings and then what she should do next. Exactly. So you, you need a statement up front, you know, your aspiration, much like you would have. It's the same headings often as you have in your, your other one, but they are governance focused. What is your board aspiration? You then have a section governance experience. Again, just because you haven't been on a board doesn't mean you won't have things to add there. If you've reported to a board, if you've written board reports, all of those sorts of things. Feel free to put those in. If you've been on committees, put those in. And then skills. And don't don't put a shopping list of skills. Again, when I see a shopping list of here's the 12 skills that I can lend to the boardroom, I just go, I don't know what this person's good at and I want to know what you're good at. Limit it to three or five at the absolute most. And, and, and to back, back that up, Helio, if you look at advertisements for board directors, they will be really specific. We are looking for skills in the finance, the audit, the people and culture, it, or legal. You know, They'll be really specific about maybe the one or two specific skill sets they're looking for. So so I, I totally agree with you. You can't be a actually can't be a jack of all trades when it comes to this stuff. No, and it's interesting you say that because sometimes bo- sometimes board advertisements list a number of skills that could be quite diverse. You know, audit and risk through to people and culture through to stakeholder engagement. Know that you don't have to answer all of those things. You need to pick your specialty and focus there because all you're looking at is the skills matrix of a board and the gaps that are on there, it is not expected that one person will fill all of those gaps. It's probably a recruitment for multiple people. So be clear on what your specialty in that. Your professional experience, you definitely want to have that on your resume, but it's probably just dot dot point. And it's probably, it is no more than half a page max. And then any other achievements. So memberships you might have or other governance experience. Your board resume should be two pages maximum. If you can get it to one, awesome, but two pages is fine. 
It's not three. It's definitely not five or seven. That's the key things for resumes. Good. And I think, you know, I reckon that's a really great tool to kick off building your toolbox because it's it's almost like an audit if you get a really and there, there are plenty if you google director's cv or director's resume there are lots and lots of great resources and templates out there and, and yes it, i think it's a good way to say well what do i need to showcase more of and then what other things might i need to really start building in terms of my skills so we've heard about figure out what training is right for you when and 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 you know there are some training courses that are you know they are prohibitively expensive and it, and not available to all people uh, including for geography reasons as well so figure out what you can do that fits in for your career stage your your budget and things like that and and tap into the free resources that are out there like your podcast this one others and things like that but then do that board cv that is a i think it's part of the research project do that board CV because it's going to give you a really good sense of where you are right now and how you might pitch yourself. Good, good advice. So I think if she's ready, if she's got all of that done right now, one of the, the things I guess that I, we sort of said get on a board, but how might she do that? I know we talked about networking, but but really specifically, you know, do you apply for an ad? Do you go and ask people, you know, what I guess what's a really nitty-gritty piece of you know, actual advice we can give here? So there are definitely some listings that you should be looking out for. Some board roles are advertised, not all, but some are advertised. And if they're advertised, it's actually just a good thing to look at if you're looking at board roles to see the breadth of board roles that are advertised and what is out there. So in Australia, the Women on Boards list is actually excellent. You do need to be a member of Women on Boards to access that, but it's not very much to be a member. So it's a pretty good listing. For not-for-profit boards, there's a couple of others. There's Pro Bono Australia, I think Philanthropy Australia do it as well, and the Institute of Community Directors. And most of the state governments, I think, in Australia also have a government listing for boards. So in Victoria, where I am, um, I think it's just getonboard.vic.gov.au. And I can, I'll can um, give you a link to put in the show notes, Michelle, because I've got a blog basically that outlines where to look for some of these things. So start looking around and it just prompts different ideas for you. So start looking around. Keep an eye on LinkedIn because some board roles are advertised there. Keep an eye on the recruiters. There are particular recruiters that do board work, so it's worth keeping keeping an eye on there as well and maybe even reaching out to some of them to get on their radar. I've also got a, I did a podcast with one of the board recruiters and which, and she's like, here's how to deal with us. So, you know, it's, it's basically staying on their radar but not hassling them too much if I can summarise her, her advice in one. And it is then the networking, and I always come back to it, but a lot of board roles are not advertised. Or they are advertised, but people might miss them. Whereas if you're on the radar of the right people, they will come to you and say, oh, here's what it is. So if there are particular industries or organisations that you are after, as much as you can get on the radar of those organisations and yeah, and let people know. The other thing, and again, this is Australia specific, but at my events, so I run regular breakfast event where I have a speaker and we do the networking and all that sort of gear. But at the end, I have what's called board marketplace. So organisations can advertise their board roles and people can advertise their interest. So they can say, you know, here's my key skills and here's the type of board I'm looking for. And pretty much every time they do, they get a bite 
from either people there or other people that they know of. So it's just tell everyone you know. And and the other thing that I would say, listeners, is to add to that, although it's a slightly different context, in a career that solves, we have a courageous ask. Same thing, here's what I'm looking for. And it might be that you're looking for advice from an existing board director, a mentor, whatever it may be. So use those networks that you've got available to you to express your ambition. And people love to help. That, that's my experience. And but as you said earlier, Helia, I really want to emphasize the point that you made, be specific about what it is you're asking me to do for you. Because I kind of really want to help, but I don't want to have to do too much heavy lift to be to be blunt, as I often am. So And even if the ask is, I would just love to hear about your experience in the boardroom. That's okay. That is a specific ask. Or I would just like to hear what you know about this organization or whatever it may be. That's okay. And then the person knows they actually don't need to prepare too much. They can just blur all their information at you and then off they go. So yeah. So we've we've covered off a, a whole bunch of stuff, including her getting her toolbox ready and that that board CV. One thing I do want to touch on before I ask you to kind of wrap up with, you know, solve world hunger with one bit of advice, but, you know, the big question, whatever. But one thing that you had touched on in other times I've heard you speak is don't forget you're probably already on a board. So it's interesting, you know, so I said, oh, yeah, God, I was in that you know, school vice, school vice captain. There will be women who are listening who are already on boards and they don't realise it. What can you say about that? So I hear all the time, oh, I'm not on a board. You know, I'm on, the, I'm on my kids' school council, but I'm not on a board. It's like, hey, hold it up there. Hang on. Or I'm on you know, the basketball committee or I'm on the local community house or whatever it may be, or I'm on the subcommittee at my organisation, I'm on their subsidiary board or whatever. Or the owner's corporation for my building. Yes, they're all boards. So schools, oh, my gosh, schools, strategy, people and culture, risk, oh, my Lord, the risk in there, the finances, all of those things. They are governance things that, that people on school councils are dealing with every day. Stakeholder engagement. Now, all of that stuff. Likewise, community groups that you might be involved in, whatever it may be. So you might be on a committee at work that ends up reporting through to the board. Whilst it's not a board per se, it is a governance role. You might be on a subsidiary. That's a governance role. You might be on the school council. It's called a council, not a board, but it's a board. You might be on an advisory board. That's a governance role. So think broadly about what it is you're already involved in and recognize the skills that go into that to leverage into other board roles that you want to more consciously be part of. Brilliant. I love it. And subsidiary boards reminds me of, so when I was working at the NAB, I discovered that, that the NAB had subsidiary boards and as part of their own internal women on boards or, or you know, women's progression program were always looking for women to put on their subsidiary boards as part of their development. So for those of you in those bigger organisations that are uh, that have other entities, internal and external, there may be opportunities there. So look for the people who are coordinating it. Sometimes the communication isn't great around it, but again, if you're having a conversation with your boss, your boss's boss, or your your strategic mentor. These are my aspirations. Ask them about you know th- those things. So I think it's a really great opportunity. Put your hand up. Absolutely, yes. Observership program because we've got one here. I think 
Can you talk to us more about that, please? The Board Observership Program, it's a great program. It does what it says on the box. It is an observership program where they take individuals, match them up with organisations with boards, and that person observes the board and may well come to committees and so on as well. But they are part of a cohort. So there'll be, it, it runs in Australia. I don't know if it's in other countries, but in Australia, so in Melbourne, which I should say Victoria, not Melbourne, there's 40 people or so doing it this year. They are all matched with different organisations. They get training together. They come together as a cohort so they can lean on each other and toss around ideas and challenges and opportunities. Yeah, so they get the training, they get the support, they get a board mentor, and they get to observe a board. So it is a fantastic opportunity to deepen your governance experience. It's only open to people 40, I don't know if it's under 40 or 40 years and under, but whatever, it's somewhere around there. So I encourage both individuals to think about participating in that program. And I encourage organisations to be part of it because it's actually a, one of the boards that I'm on, the um, Workplace Injury Commission. We have a board observer this year and it's a great way of getting different perspectives in the boardroom and some extra input. Um, and you know that they're being supported through their process and we get stuff from it as well. It's fantastic. We're, we're going to continue our participation in it. So it's a great thing for both boards and for the individuals. It's a real win-win. Oh, I think it's a, it's a terrific idea and, and again, wouldn't have really known about it and until I bumped into you and your world, Helia. So it's a, it's a great opportunity. So we have heard from you today about your, your how clear you are on what you give to boards and what you get from being on boards. Given us great advice about, well, frankly, do it now. Don't wait until after your executive career. Do it now. But figure out where what you want to be in love with because there has to be a little bit of love and an alignment from a values uh, position. You've also heard that we have to do the work um, ourselves to work out what our give and our get's going to be and the type of organisation, industry, etc. that we want to be in. We've heard that, you know, networking is working and you have to tell the world what your aspirations are. Don't hide your light under a bushel. Never worked out what a bushel is, but anyway, don't hide your light and and ask them for help in, in propelling you forward to reach your, your board goals. Get your toolbox ready and there are many, many things that goes into a director's toolbox. But it sounds like the, pretty much the first cab off the rank is get that board CV ready because it'll help you shape what development you need. And then, of course, understand that you might already be on a board. Think about the experiences that you are, ha- you are having and have had and how that is governance and that you can bring that to your track record of accomplishments when you're talking about your next board position. So some great advice. And I'm going to ask you, as I said, to solve world hunger with one answer to one question. So if you think back to when you were in the early parts, mid part of your corporate career and starting to plan for a board career, what's the one piece of advice that you wish you would have received and that you now offer our aspiring board directors? So I'm going to be really cheeky and take two, Michelle, if I may. Good on you. (laughs) I'm not a rule follower. Firstly, I, and I know this aligns with some of the other philosophy about how you work in, in your work as well, I, about six years ago, did a single subject at Melbourne University in strategic financial analysis. And I did that because I wasn't, I'm, I keep saying I'm not an accountant, you know, I'm not the financial person and I wanted to test my financial skill, mostly for board work, although it was definitely helpful for a day-to-day work as well. So I did that as a, yeah, as a single subject. I, Michelle, got an H1 for that topic, and I can tell you I never did that in my undergrad. And (laughs) what that did was it showed me I understand the finances. 
I can do the finances. I'm not an accountant. It does take me a little bit longer. The accountants look at the page and they just, you know, reel off all of their analysis and I need to stare at it for a bit longer because it's not in a language that I am used to. But if I stare at the page for long enough, I can understand it. So that gave me the confidence that I could do that. And since then, I'm on the finance committee on two of my boards and have, you know, been involved in the finances much more. So don't be afraid. If you're not an accountant, don't be afraid of the finances. Get in there and do it and know that I was known as the, they used to call me on the finance committee, the non-beanie, as in I wasn't the bean counter. And the non-beanie perspective on finances is equally as valuable as the bean counter view of the finances, if not more so. So don't be afraid of the finances. The second thing is just get on and do it. I know I've said that before. I've probably said it a couple of times. Get on and do it. Get on and do it. (laughs) G-F-D-I, just can do it. (laughs) I love, exactly. I love advice piece number one, a piece of advice number one. And you do not, you must have financial acumen. Develop it and demonstrate it. It is so critical. Like you, Helia, you know, I, I've got to say, I run programs on building financial acumen now. And I only said to my wife last week, who is a CFO? I said, oh, 25 year old self, myself is laughing her head off at me running financial acumen courses because she was one who was not one who went for the numbers. Like you, I still have to work and have time to look at the numbers, to know the story that they tell and to ask those questions of the bean counters. Is there any reason why we're seeing a seasonal dip in revenue in this part of the business when we don't see that in any other part? I go, oh God, that's a good question. Um, So yes, it You do not have to be an accountant to have really great impact around the financials. I love that advice. It is so in line with everything that myself and Susan and Mel and my partners do. And, and of course, GFDI or GSD, get shit done, which is, you know, my mantra. So do it. And there are so many of us around you who are ready to help you and ready to help you discover your strengths that you currently have and also figure out the the ones that you're going to need to take you into that next part of your career. Of course, Helia, you are one of those wonderful women with your Take On Board podcast, Take On Board community uh, on, on Facebook and the programs that you run. So folks, I really encourage you, please do connect with Helia. She's a wealth of information. We've only just scratched the surface in this just under an hour of, of talking. But I hope this has been as useful for you folks as it always is for me. And Helia, once again, thank you you for all of the work that you do for women and of course to create much better outcomes for the organizations that benefit from these women who have these amazing skills as a result of your coaching mentoring and training thank you so much for having me absolute joy uh i think float through the rest of today having been able to be part of this welcome some of those women over in the take on board community as well thanks michelle sensational thanks helia all right, folks, well, that's what you need to get on the board and stay tuned for even more expert interviews this season because we're really honing in on those this practical advice, the actionable insights and wisdom that you need to have a career that soars. See you next week, folks. This has been another episode of Lead to Soar, a production of A Career That Soars. You can reach Michelle Redfern at michelleredfern.com and Mel Butcher at melbutcher.com. Join us inside A Career That Soars at acareerthatsoars.com.